We're in a series right now uh, called um, Get My Swag Back. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's all, all about this. This series is, is really not about um, outward cockiness, it's about an inward confidence, having a, a confidence in Christ. It's this idea that uh, when I understand how God sees me, it, it changes how I see me. When I understand how God sees me, it changes how, how I see me. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. That's uh, my favorite chapter in all of the Bible. And during the series, we're, we're discovering three different truths. These are truths that um, I kind of came across about a year ago. I wrote them down, and I say them every day. And, and they really have helped me every day to get my shoulders squared and remember who I am. And it's these three truths right here. I'm loved by the Father. I'm saved by the Son. And I'm guided by the Spirit. Last week we talked about the Son. Next week we're going to talk about the Spirit. Today I want to talk about being loved by the Father. I saved this message. Planned to preach it last week, but I'm preach it today. Uh, because we're going to talk about spiritual adoption. The, the heart of God is not just for physical adoption, but for spiritual adoption as well. And in Romans chapter 8, we, we see a little bit of the heart of the Father. I read out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, I just encourage you to uh, download um, the U version on your phone. And out of the New Living Translation, verse 15, chapter 8, verse 15. So if you, not, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves... Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, we call him Abba Father. Dancing queen, 17. Come on, where's my people? All right, Google it. For his spirit joins, did I just kill the spirit? For his spirit joins with our spirit. To affirm, I'm just getting started, people. Uh, to affirm that we are God's Children, That's good news. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of his glory. If we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Father, we humbly come before you. Thank you that we get to call you Father. And in these few moments, would you just speak to us as your people? You have a... a a word, a unique word for every one of us. And so let's just all open up our hearts. God, what do you want to say to me? What, what is it you have for me? And pray for me. God, I just ask right now uh, that your spirit would truly use me and, and that you would you just get said what you want said, what you want people to hear today. In Jesus' name. And the church said. All right, you may be seated. Well, I love being a dad. Uh, it is just absolutely off the chain, one of my favorite things in life. Do we have any dads in the house? Raise your hand if you're a dad. All right, you love being a dad. Isn't it great being a dad? I mean, it's just that moment. Um, I mean, it's like I got four minions running around the earth with my name on it. It's just, and I got two grand minions with, name, with my name on them. It's just so, any, any, any granddads, any granddads, a few of you, all right. That's the best right there where you get to love on them, and then when they start whining and fussing, give them back to their mama and daddy. That's your problem. I love being a granddad. I love, I love every bit of it. It's all I've ever wanted to be is a dad. I, it really is. Um, in fact, uh, Laura asked me a couple months ago, we, we dated in high school, and she asked me, she said, um, what was it that attracted you to me? And 
I didn't even hesitate. I knew him either. I said, oh, because you, you look like a mom. And I was like, well, I mean, what I mean is, like, you have mom genes. And I was like, oh, it's even worse. Like, no, no, you don't, you don't wear mom jeans. You have, and, and, and she's like, what? You want to explain yourself? And, uh, but I, 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 I really meant it. Uh, because I was like, I really saw in high school, I, I saw, I was like, that lady is going to be a great mom one day. And, and, I, and I, so I married Laura for babies, and she married me for my body. So it is a, it's a match made in heaven, man. It's awesome. I, I, I just, I love being a dad. And it, here's what's cool about, and every dad knows this, like, what's cool about being a dad is you get to fix stuff and kill stuff. It's just awesome. Fix stuff, kill stuff. Like, you, you, you kill a bug, you kill a rodent, you gonna, I'm going to kill a kid. I mean, it just doesn't matter what it is. Do you remember that, like, when you were growing up? Oh, dad's going to kill you when you get home. Oh, just shut up. No, he's going to kill you dead when you get home. I remember saying, now I'm a dad, and I get to do that. And I, I love fixing stuff. But let's be honest, dads, I'm telling you, the reason I fix stuff is because I just want Laura to notice I fix stuff, you know? I mean, I, I fixed three things yesterday. I was walking through the living room. I'm like, hey, fix the toilet. Like this. And she's like, oh, my goodness, you're amazing. Yep, now fix something. I'm come walking. I'm like, hey, fix the chair. <laughs> then Tim is like, walk with her. Hey, fix the bathroom ceiling fan. I mean, it's all right. And I was just, and what you're doing when you do that as a dad, you just, you want that compliment because you just want to know, like, I'm, I'll fix stuff. I, I got it. You, as a dad, you just want to know you got it going on. Men are simple and easy. Are we not, ladies? You, you feed us, you compliment us, and then you, you um, <laughs> let us watch sports. Let me complete. Get your minds out of the gutter. Wow. Now I know the crowd I'm dealing with. Let's change subjects, shall we? No, but I, I just, and dads, you can, one of the rights you have as a dad is to embarrass your kids. I love embarrassing my kids. Like, if I hear music anywhere, I can break out in a dad dance. I'm just like, I can just get the dad dance going. And I'm like, hey, dance floor is open. Dance floor is open. We can be in a store. We can be in a parking lot. I can be, you just want me to stop, don't you? This is a dad dance, and it is a good, yeah. They don't like it either. No, no, don't patronize me. They don't like it either. I, 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 one of my favorite things is um, in our home, you have to say, I love you. Before you leave anywhere, you have to finish with, I love you. It's just the way we roll in our house. And whenever I would drop the kids off at school, I would always say, hey, I love you. And if they didn't say, I love you back, I would roll down the window and I'd be like, hey, I love you. Scream it out. I remember one time I was talking about uh, Shane earlier. I'm, I was at the middle school. I put it in park. I got out of the car and I said, hey, I love you. And everybody's like, what? And he's like, and I kept yelling it and yelling it. So he turned around and said, I love you now. <laughs> Here's the thing about God. The, the Father absolutely loves you. God loves being a father. In fact, it's all, it's all over Scripture. In the, in the Old Testament, we, we see that the nation of Israel is called the children of Israel. They're the children of God. Moses and the prophets, they refer to God as the Father. And then in the New Testament, the Father sends his Son, and, and Jesus says that not, it's not just the children of Israel, but it's we are now all God's children. And he teaches us a prayer. 
He says this, our Father, our Father. Father, it's so close to the heart of God. God wants us to know that he absolutely loves us and he's passionate about being our Father. I'd like for you to write this down because here's where I kind of want to go for a few minutes um, this morning. This is what I'd like for you to write down. God is my Father and I am loved by the Father. I think this is important for and there's some sermon note things in the, in the chair backs if you don't have anything to write on. I think it's important that we all write that. Because a lot of times what you write is what you believe to be reality. And what, what I really think, though, honestly, is that we, many of us have heard that phrase, oh, yeah, I'm, lo- I'm loved by God, blah, 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 blah. Others just hear that phrase that I'm loved by the Father and are like, yeah, I don't, maybe somebody else, but, but, but not me. And to write that down, some of you maybe you wrote it down real easily. Yeah, I'm, I'm loved by the Father. But for some of you, you're, you're just like, man, I, I don't. You're writing it, but you don't let you believe it. What, what I hope to, to show you in the next few minutes is how extravagantly God loves us as his children. I, I think it's one of the things that we are missing today in the church. I think it's one of the things as followers of Jesus we kind of just take for granted. Remember how you just took your parents for granted? Just kind of took them for granted. They, they pay for this, they do that, and they make this happen, and they make this happen, they put the roof over my head, da-da-da-da. And then you got older, and they realized, oh, these bills don't pay themselves, you know? And then you just, wow. And you're like going back to your parents, man, thank you. I, I hope that we can get a picture of the Father today. So let's do this. Romans 8.15, the Apostle Paul says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him, say this with me, what? Abba, Father. Now, Paul deliberately uses this phrase, Abba, this this term, Abba, and it's a new term for the, when they hear this, it's it's a different way of looking at God, because when he says, Abba, Father, the word Abba is this term of endearment that that a child would give to a father. It's it's like calling your father dad or, or calling him daddy. Like this intimacy that you have, this is my dad. And this is a radically different concept for the Jews and the non-Jews that are here in, in Rome, okay? So Paul has written this letter to the church in Rome that's full of Jews and non-Jews. And so for the Jews who are hearing this, this is radically different because as we talked about a little bit last week, is the Jews were used to living under the law. We talked about how the law was good, but the law had made them fearful slaves. The the law could not set them free from sin, and so therefore they became a slave to the law and to sin, and that radically altered their their view of God. And then the non-Jews... Now, the non-Jews, they worshiped other idols and other gods, but in that culture, in that time period, what you did is you would do anything and everything to appease the anger of the gods. And, and now they're hearing this radically different concept. Paul is saying to them, listen, it's not a master-slave relationship. It, it's, a, it's a father-child relationship. In, in other words, church, church this, what we're doing right now, Sunday morning worship, church, this is, um, this is not a place where strangers gather to worship a distant deity. No, the church is a family. Like we, are, we are brothers and sisters. Like turn, turn to somebody right now and tell them, you're, you're my brother, you're my, you're, you're my sister. Unless it's your spouse. Don't, don't do that to your spouse. Don't do your spouse. This is weird to do to your spouse. Like, no, 
We're all brothers and sisters, though. We, we are a family, and we have gathered to worship our Father. It's a father-child relationship. He is, he's adopted us, and Paul says we are his children. He's our dad, and, and I am loved by the Father. There's a lot of things that shape our, our view of God, is there not? I mean, it might be your earthly father. We talked about that a, a few weeks ago. For, the, for good or bad, dads, we shape the, our children's view of what they think about God the Father. Uh, the classroom on your campus shapes your view of God. TV, the internet, shapes our view of God. Uh, even other Christians shape our view of God. Uh, Laura and I were in Kansas City a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting there downtown on the plaza. It's beautiful down there. It's a nice, quiet evening. And all of a sudden, we heard this yelling and shouting and screaming coming down the street. And I thought, oh, man, this is one of those protests. And are they protesting? Are we going to end up on CNN tonight? I mean, I just that's what I thought was coming. And I looked down the street, and what I saw on the street corner was this giant sign, and it had a picture of Jesus with a crown of thorns, and this guy was yelling at the crowd and yelling at people as they came by. See, your perception of God shapes your relationship with God. However you perceive him determines how your relationship with him is going to roll out. We, we were on, uh, in Kansas City on, this, on the plaza, and, and Laura uh, wanted to do some shopping. And, of course, I was like, yeah, I'm totally all in. Because that's what we do as a dad and as a husband. We just roll with it. Uh, and so we ended up at this store, and um, the only way I can describe it to you is it was like Pinterest meets Bath and Body Works, okay? It was awesome. Uh, and, I mean, it just had, like, fluffy stuff in there and flowers and weird scents and, and you know, uh, calligraphy stuff with swoopy letters. I mean, it was just not... I was desperately walking around the store trying to find something guy-oriented. There was nothing, but I found some books, and I saw these books, and I was looking at them. Like, one of them was called A Little Princess, and I was like, not a guy book. But I honestly, I looked at it, and I thought, well, maybe that might be a book I could buy for Sky. That's kind of a cool book. I'd never heard of this book before, and I pulled it off the shelf, and um, I read it cover to cover because that's how long we were in this store. <laughs> This, this story, I, uh, anybody read A Little Princess? Okay, some of you know it. Okay, you know, it's, it's a classic. I didn't know this. It's like 100 years old or whatever. And, uh, and, but it's a classic Cinderella-type story, and it's about this um, man who loses his wife, and, and he has a little girl, and he's a traveling businessman, very wealthy, and he has to send his daughter off to boarding school. And so he sends her to boarding school, and then the father dies. And when he dies, he loses all of his money as well. And back at the school, they see that she can no longer afford it. And so the head of the school takes this little girl and, and locks her in an attic and just kind of throws her breadcrumbs. And the little girl, to survive, begins to envision in her head that she is a little princess. And you hear that story, and I think for, for some of you today, it's a picture of you and your relationship with God. Do you ever feel like God has abandoned you? Do you ever feel like, like he's, he's just kind of, you know, left? And, and you just are there alone, and you got to just kind of figure out life on your own. 
I just got to figure this out because God is not here anymore and I am all by myself. I have been abandoned by him. I think this is really one of the reasons why people become agnostic and atheists. Not the only reason, but I think it is one of the reasons because I, I think they... We experience pain in our lives. We experience these moments where we are hurt and we are wounded and you wonder, where, where is God? And sometimes the only way to explain the pain is that there must not be a God. Because if there was a God, he wouldn't allow this to happen in my life. And so the only way I know how to deal with it is there must not be a God. But Jesus, in John's gospel, John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus said this. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. See, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. We were all spiritual orphans that sin has um, separated us from God. We didn't abandon God. God um, I'm sorry, God didn't abandon us, but we abandoned God. And what, ha- what has happened is sin has literally locked us up. And, and, and sin has held us as fearful slaves. But God has not abandoned you. And he has not abandoned me. In fact, he came for us in the person of Jesus. Amen? amen. That's a church that say amen. Like, he came for us. I am not alone in this world. He has not left me as an orphan, but he has adopted me, as Paul says. He has adopted me as his own child. In fact, Paul Paul says that I can have this assurance, I can have this confidence that that I am loved by the Father. Look look at at verse 16. Paul says this, for his spirit, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit next week. The Holy Spirit guides me. We'll talk about that. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. See, so so often we're looking for something um, tangible to show us that God loves us, right? If God loves me, he he does this, and that shows me he loves me. And then when God does this, then I know that God loves me. But let me ask you this. How, How did you know that your mom or dad loved you? Or students, how do you know that your mom or your dad love you? You don't go get your birth certificate, do you? Like, you don't go get your birth certificate and go, ah, right, right there. It says right there. I, I, I. No. You don't, you don't go get a bank statement. You don't get a bank statement and go, well, see, they bought this for me, and then they got this for me, and then, and then they did this, this for me. No, no. You wouldn't do that at all because when you look and you think about the love of your parents, you don't think about those kinds of things. You just know it intuitively, right? Like their spirit somehow connected to your spirit. That's the beauty, too, of adoption. Like before I ever adopted, I wondered, like, how am I going to connect? And I would ask God that. God, I want to do this and I want to adopt, but I want to be connected to this child. And I don't know how to do that. I had no idea that adoption is a spiritual thing. 
That, that what God would do with me and those two children, the moment that I adopted them, man, their spirit touched my spirit. I knew that I was their dad for the rest of my life, and they knew they were my child. This is what Paul's trying to get said right here to all of us, is that his spirit touches my spirit. It, God does that, and when he does, he affirms to me that I am loved and that I am his child. But I, I, I can't receive love until I believe that I'm loved. I, I can't receive love until I believe that I'm loved. Come on, tell, tell three people right now, you are loved by the Father. You are loved by the Father. Some of you, it's being said to you, and you hear me speaking about the love of the Father, and it's now just been spoken over you, but you, you still don't believe it. Uh, whatever. And the question I would ask you this is, um, do, you, do you believe? Do you believe that the Father loves you? Because the only way that you can receive love is to make yourself vulnerable to love. Do you remember the, remember the first time you ever like, took that step across the line, told somebody you loved them, you're like, I love you, I love you. <laughs> Hoping for the response back. Have you ever had it where it doesn't come back? Just kind of like, whoa, just dies right there. You're just like, you take a step back, don't you? You're like, whew, not doing that one again. If you've ever been wounded, if you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been left, if you've ever put yourself out there and said, I love you, and, and it wasn't re- reciprocated, you're going to have a very difficult time putting yourself out there for God. But I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you today. Take a chance. Take a risk. Open yourself up to God. Because every person here who is a follower of Jesus will attest and say, the moment I made myself vulnerable, the moment I opened myself up to the love of the Father, the love just poured in over me. I remember that moment when he poured that love over me and affirmed to me that I was his child. His spirit touches our spirit. And then in verse 17, Paul says, and since we are his children... We are his what? Heirs. We're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are what? Say this with me. Heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now, I'm going to talk about suffering here in just a moment, but I'd like for you to write this down. I'm an heir, not an error. I'm an H-E-I-R. I am not an E-R-R-O-R. I'm an heir, not an error. Come on, tell three people right now, you are an heir. You are, you are an heir. That's some good news. Come on, turn back to him and say, that's some good news. That is some really good news. Like, you are not a mistake. You're not a mistake. You're not an error. You're an heir. You're a child of God. But here's the thing about the enemy. The enemy enemy loves to steal our swag, doesn't he? Man, he just loves to rip your self-confidence away from you. I think one of the favorite things of the enemy is this, is to uh, make us just feel insignificant. 
That's just, I, I think that's his favorite thing to do is make you feel, because if he can make you feel insignificant, you, you will never open yourself up to, to love to another person or love the love of God because you feel like you're insignificant. Here, here's the thing that's universal about all of us. We, we all, we all want to be loved. We, every one of us, we, we want to be, we desperately want to be loved. We want to be accepted. Like you're here today and if you're new today, the number one question on your mind is, will I be accepted here? Yeah, you, you do it everywhere, on, on a campus, in the workplace. That's the question we ask every day. We walk into our homes, and we, am, am I, we just want to be accepted. I just, I, just, I just want to know I have value. I, I want to know that I, I have worth. I want to know that, that my, my life matters. Here's the thing about um, social media. I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media right now. That's the one thing not to talk to me about right now because I, I love it, but, man, I absolutely hate it because it's so venomous. Because this is what social media will do. Social media will yell out, here's how to get noticed. Here's how to get liked. Come on, you want to get noticed. You want to get liked. So we post, and then we wait to see if anyone will like me. That's what I hate about social media. I think social media would crumble if they didn't have the like button. I don't think it would exist if it didn't have the like button. Because truth be known, the like button really isn't for us to like someone else. We really use the like button to say, my life's amazing. Right? Right? Or, or, or you, you, you get on social media and, and you see what everybody else is posting and you see their amazing life and you realize that my, my life is not as amazing as every else's life, and that's the poison and the venom uh, of social media. It's good, but it's also very, very venomous, and what happens is then we think, well, man, if nobody else notices me, nobody else likes me, how does, <laughs> how does God feel about me? Well, I can tell you this, that Paul says you are an heir, not an error. You are loved by the Father. You are loved by the Father, and that is enough. And not only am I an heir, but I'm an heir, Paul says, of God's glory. God's glory. Like, I don't even know if we really even can fathom or understand God's glory. Um, Laura and I were on the, in, the, in the same shopping experience that we went on, and we ended up at this furniture store that we did not know was a furniture store because there was no name on the front of it, but it looked like the Taj Mahal. It, was, it looked like a hotel. I was like, what is that place? And so I said, I'm just going to sit in the car. You go check it out, honey. And she's like, gladly, woohoo. And so she's, you know, popping in, and she comes back out, and she said, it's a furniture store. And I'm like, what? I mean, it, it was... It was, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it, it was, um, the furniture store was just for, well, uh, let me describe it this way. Like, when I walked in, they could smell the broke on me, okay? That's, 
the kind of place this was. I mean, they had marble staircases, chandeliers, appointment-only kind of place. I mean, I was even, I was trying to walk rich, which I don't even know what a rich walk looks like, but I was trying it, but I knew I was being smoked out. I knew, they knew I did not belong there. They didn't have price tags on anything. That is how crazy this story, they did have one throw pillow, $600 for a throw pillow. Oh, a throw pillow! So we're walking down this marble staircase, and I swear to you, Laura's doing this. Like this. And I look over at her, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And she's like, I go, you think you're Cinderella right now, don't you? And she goes, absolutely. Don't ruin the moment for me. Absolutely. I was like, great, because I feel like Hank Hill right now. That's what I feel like. <laughs> Peggy, <laughs> how many donuts here? You know I mean? I just feel like... When, when, you, when we hear this idea of being an heir and, and having an inheritance, I mean, that's what we think of, like big mansion and, you know, valet parking, chandeliers, marble staircase. But listen, that's not, Paul's not talking about that kind of heir. He says we are an heir of God's glory, and God's glory is so much greater than anything the world can even offer. Everything in this world, including that furniture store, pales in comparison to the glory of God because we have an inheritance of the glory of God. What that means is you have inherited the very presence of God Almighty. The God of the universe has set up residence in your soul. That is insane. It's mind-boggling to understand that. Here's what our inheritance is. I'm an, I am an heir of unlimited grace. Other people and nobody else in the world is going to give me that much grace, but God says, I'll keep pouring it out and pouring it out. Mercy and forgiveness. People hold a grudge against you. God says, I never hold a grudge. You come to me, you ask forgiveness, you get forgiveness. This is our God, unlimited love. Over and over again, he pours out his love. It doesn't matter who doesn't love you. It doesn't matter what's happened in your story or where you've come from. Listen, God absolutely wants to pour out his love on you, and it will never be taken away from you. You are an heir. You are a child of God, unlimited. And here's the thing. Because we possess God's glory we are able to stand up under suffering. We can stand up under suffering because the very presence of God is in me. This is what Paul is saying. He says, God doesn't abandon us as orphans. He actually joins with us in our suffering. You go to the end of chapter eight and look at verse 38. Paul says it this way, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's Love. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love. Listen, you may have been separated. Some of you may have been separated from your earthly parents, okay? You may have been separated from another person, but God has come for you, and you are his child. He has picked you out. He has chosen you. Like, I, it's, this is my, I have four kids, two of them. I tell them this all the time. My two biological kids, I go, I didn't have any choice. I didn't get to pick you. I'm stuck with you. But my two adopted children, Jeremiah and Skye, I go, I got to pick you. 
I got to pick you. How do you know your love? Because I came and I picked you. That's why. He never has to doubt that love. He can strut around. Yeah, my dad loves me. Are you kidding me? How do you know your dad loves you? Uh, Because he adopted me. He didn't have to do that, but he did. This is our father. This is what he does for us. He loves us, and nothing can ever separate you from that. Paul gives this long dissertation. He says, death can't, life can't, angels can't, demons can't, the worries of tomorrow can't, the powers of hell can't. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of the Father. That's some good news today. I I can get my swag back. Man, I, I can have confidence and I can have an assurance that, that, that I, am, I am loved by the Father. So we're going to pray here in just a moment. What I want to ask you today is, where do you need the Father to love on you? Where do you need him to, to love on you? Maybe, maybe the enemy has come in and he's stolen your, your confidence you ain't got no swag. You have no assurance. The enemies come out and rip that out from underneath you. And today you just need to be reminded, I'm loved by the Father. I don't know what's destroyed your confidence, but God wants to give you your, your confidence back. Remind you that, that you're loved. Maybe, maybe for you today, you feel God is distant. When you feel like that orphan locked in the attic and where was God when this happened or where is God in this situation and today we're going to pray here in a moment and in an instant you're going to feel the touch of the Father. In an instant the Holy Spirit is going to affirm to your spirit. His spirit's going to touch your spirit. If you will open yourself up to him, his spirit's going to touch your spirit and affirm that you're his child. Or maybe today you're not a follower of Jesus. You've never experienced the love of Jesus Today, I want to ask you, would you take a chance? Would you be vulnerable? All right, God, I don't know everything about you, but I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to open myself up to you, and would you forgive me, and would you call me your kid?